History has shown that, for the most part, with every technological advance, comes new and more complicated concerns for parents as we do our best to raise healthy, well-adjusted future adults in spite of it all. And this has been especially true with the advent of digital technology, partly because of how quickly it evolves. And today, because many digital devices and digitally linked social behaviors have become ingrained in our culture to the point of being considered a kind of sustenance by many people, we have to prepare our kids to navigate this digital age in ways that are safe and God-honoring. As a wise man once said, not all progress is progress. So today, we'll be exploring the Teen's Guide to Social Media and Mobile Devices. That's today on Licensed to Parent. Well, hello and welcome once again to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy, a year-long Christ-centered residential program helping teens in crisis and, by extension, their families. I'm Rich Rosal, and our host on Licensed to Parent is Trace Embry, the founder and director of Shepherds Hill. And Trace, as more and more inventions are birthed out of the digital age and more and more apps are birthed out of, well, just the realm of mobile devices and social media alone— it is really making the 21st century child-rearing experience a bit different than what we thought we were signing up for, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I think arguably more challenging, but certainly more complicated than any time in history. And since so many of us have, have now bought the culturally induced lie that, quote, busyness is uh, actually an indicator of our significance, success, or self-worth, I, I also think that uh, as parents, we're now uh, forced, really, to, to realize our limitations as human beings. So uh, we have to be discerning enough and wise enough to understand our times and then brave enough to know what to do and then, then go out and do it, just like the sons of Issachar did in First mm. Chronicles 12, 32, especially as Christian parents. Uh, I mean, Rich, something's got to give here. Our, our culture says we can have it all, but when we finally realize this is a myth and then decide exactly you know, what fat we need to trim down or even out of our lives to maintain our sanity and preserve our, our family's well-being— it, it's not going to be popular with our kids, uh, our kids' friends, the, the parents of our kids' friends, our friends, or, or most of the church. But I think getting smartphones totally out of the hands of our kids may be the best and simplest option. Um, I know it's swimming upstream against the cultural tide, and, and that's never easy or popular. But uh, just like the, the, the parent who who's told to put the oxygen mask on first in the case of an airline emergency to ultimately save yeah. his kids— yeah. I think parents have, have got to also think about putting themselves uh, in self-preservation mode a bit more at, at home. Uh, again, not just to save themselves, but to ultimately save their kids. For some parents, that may mean cutting their work hours back or, or maybe coming home from work entirely. Uh, maybe it means cutting back on extracurricular activities like sports, perhaps. But when you look at science, the stats, the news, and just look around the world around you, how we and our kids interact with digital technology seems to me to be the first area we need to reevaluate as parents because this is where the greatest degree of fat actually exists, figuratively and literally. Yep. And, and in this fat is a tremendous amount of poison. Uh, Rich, you know, I actually want my kids to have cell phones for, for safety and communication purposes. Cell phones. Cell phones, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, but I think smartphones are addictive adult toys. Uh, I also think there's a good case to be made that uh, we've inadvertently exasperated our kids, provoked them to anger, and caused them to stumble by not being more wise and vigilant in this area, by giving them smartphones in the first place. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we know what Jesus said about causing one of these little ones to stumble. And all just because we want to be culturally relevant or accepted, 
And let me ask you this. What would be the worst thing that could happen if we made smartphones no kid zones in our homes? Well, I, I don't think there is a worse thing uh, in what you're suggesting there. I think it's all good. And I would add, uh, you know, you described smartphones a moment ago as addictive adult toys. They are. And we, the parents, unfortunately, are leading our kids into this addiction by our own examples. Uh, Kathy Cook, a lady that we've had on the program a couple of times, she said that she frequently asks kids if they wished their parents would put down their Mm -hmm. smartphones for an evening. And she said in nearly every case, the kids are saying yes. So we Mm -hmm. need to limit or curtail our kids' use of smartphones, but we also need to set down our own phones and set our own boundaries too and and model that for our kids so if and when they do use the Internet or mobile devices or social media, Mm -hmm. they know how to use it and they know how to use it responsibly and correctly. Yeah, I hear that from the kids here at Shepherd's Hill all the time, and uh, they're they're actually getting tired of this stuff. They they really are. Uh, I know we're talking about social media, not just smartphones today, but it's hard to talk about one without the other. Yeah, uh, because so many kids are engaging in social media on their smartphones. And look, I realize that not every parent shares my position on this topic, but. You know, if I had the power to pass one law in this country, it would be to keep smartphones, uh, just like alcohol, drugs, and slot machines, out of the hands of, of minors, period. Uh, you know, will there still be abuses? Yeah, of course there'd be. But, you know, you don't eradicate vice with law. Uh, but you could agree. At the very least, in the long run anyway, it could help leverage a greater degree of, uh, or in a season of simplicity and peace in the lives of both parents and their kids. And Again, as I said, the, the kids at Shepherd's Hill uh, will tell you this very same thing all day long. And yeah. I'm not a Luddite. I mean, I mean, I'm actually a fan of digital technology. I own and use a smartphone. I'm also a fan of planes, trains, automobiles, guns, sports, and sex. But I'm also a fan of wise and proper protocols and age appropriateness that are in league with, you know, a biblical view for all these things. Uh, can Junior use my smartphone in my presence? Absolutely. I, I just don't think he should have unencumbered access to his own. Uh, but folks, you'll have to decide for yourself on that. So, okay, that's my story. I'm sticking to it. But uh, <laughs> whatever you believe about the issue, I'm pretty sure today's guest will be the right guy who's qualified to help us find the healthy balance in uh, mentoring and, and, and monitoring these things from the perspective of a biblical worldview, uh, whether you're determined to give your kids a smartphone or not. Yeah, well, let, let me introduce today's guest. Uh, he's got quite a bit of influence all across the board in this area. He worked for years as a youth pastor and for many more years as a person providing resources for youth ministries. Uh, But that's not all. His name is Jonathan McKee. He's president of the Source for Youth Ministry, an organization dedicated to providing free resources on the Internet with no strings attached for youth workers and parents. He's also creator of thesourceforparents.com. He's author of over 20 books, including If I Had a Parenting Do-Over, 52 Ways to Connect with Your Smartphone-Obsessed Kid, the Amazon bestseller, The Guy's Guide to God, Girls, and the Phone in Your Pocket, and the brand new Teen's Guide to Social Media and Mobile Devices. Jonathan has over 20 years of youth ministry experience and of speaking to parents and leaders worldwide, and also has a blog where you can get a regular dose of youth culture and parenting help. Jonathan and his wife, Lori, and their three kids live in California, where he's joining us by phone. Jonathan, welcome back to Licensed to Parent. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Hey, listen, if if we can't get the body of Christ to agree on abortion or LGBT issues these days, we probably won't all come to the same conclusions on the subject of social media and mobile devices either. But you've written a very helpful book that at least raises the concerns and 
offer some helpful insights into these topics. Uh, tell us what you hope to accomplish with this book and, and why both kids and their parents alike should pick it up and, and read The Teen's Guide to Social Media and Mobile Devices. Sure. I, you know, when, when I address young people about this issue, whether I'm talking to them at school assemblies or whether I address them in a book like this one, I don't come across as someone who's tell them what to do and tell them, you know, here's, here's what you should do. And I, and I definitely don't come across, you know, me with my own smartphone in my pocket saying, hey, don't have a smartphone. Um, it's more talking to them about being tech-enabled instead of being tech-dependent. Um, because what we basically have is, I mean, when I'm even addressing young people, I'll even, I'll even joke with them about the fact that, you know, hey, don't you hate it when you're you know, trying to talk with your friend and, you're, and your friend's sitting there staring at their phone the whole time? And you'll even see young people, you know, pointing at each other going, that's totally you, you do that, you know? Um, the thing is, we're talking about something relatively new. I mean, we've had phones in our pockets for quite a while. Um, but the smartphone thing, you know, it's, it's interesting here. You know, we just turned to 2018. It was really just about 10 years ago, a little over 10 years ago. It was actually 2007 that that guy walked out on the stage and he held up a device and he said prophetic words. I'm talking about Steve Jobs. He said, I've got an invention that's going to change the world. And he held up the first iPhone. And literally his words were prophetic. I mean, it was amazing because at the time there was very few smartphones. They weren't very smart and really not a lot of people had them in their pockets, but within five years by 2012, over 50% of America had smartphones in their pockets. Yeah. And, and so we've definitely got some issues that we've got to talk about yeah, here. So yeah. here's where I'm trying to address this and say, okay, young people, let's talk about this a little bit. Cause I know sadly, mom or dad aren't having the conversation. Man, you're right about that. But, you know, something else that's big is anxiety and depression. And uh, the root of anxiety is often, you know, uh, the inability to make decisions or having too many decisions upon you or, uh, or unfulfilled expectations. And I think that uh, for a 10-year-old, as you mentioned, I, for, for that kid to have a smartphone, to me, it's insane. I, I, I just think it's insane. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you're expecting a young kid <laughs> to make adult decisions. Yeah. And, 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 and you're right about the depression thing. I, I wrote an article for the thesourceforparents.com just a few months ago um, to really, and I kind of just went on the record and showed a bunch of research showing three ingredients that are kind of catalyzing this spike in teen depression. And every expert out there, when they're talking about this, and, and I mean, think about in perspective of what I just shared about how the smartphone thing really is in the last five years that we've really had these in our pockets. Well, teen depression has spiked in the last five years. Yes, suicide's so every too. expert is kind of saying, this is uncanny, what is this? And when you're looking at this digital absorption that, that young people are just totally absorbed, you look at this kind of what the heck mindset, um, they call it something else. Um, the, the, and then the, just how much they're obsessed with social media, mm-hmm. where now you gotta not just be liked by everybody, man, also now we have this digital tool that actually shows us on the record yeah. how liked we are, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. It's huge. Yeah, it is. And, of course, uh, suicide is not working with anxiety and depression as well. Uh, and, and there's a you know there's a case to be made that social media is a vehicle for some of this uh, uh, also. Uh, you had mentioned that you don't tell kids what to do. Uh, I'm thinking about the, the movie It's a Wonderful Life. I don't know if you've seen that or not, but oh, yeah. George Bailey has a problem. He needs some counsel. He sees a sign that says, Ask Dad. He knows. Uh, as parents... Why shouldn't we tell our kids what to do? 
Well, I, and that's and that's a different thing too, because me walking in as a school assembly, you know, uh, you know, it's like who is this guy gonna, you know, and, yeah. and moms and dads, and you get to a certain point, man. Uh, and that's the thing as parents, we got to keep our eye on the calendar, because if we're raising our kids right, and what we're really hoping is that you know someday, maybe age eighteen, whatever, they're going to be across the country in a college dorm, right. an army barracks. Exactly. I mean, name it, making these decisions on our own. Mm-hmm. And what we really need to ask ourselves is. Am I preparing them for that day? Now, let me tell you something. If you've got a 12-year-old in your house, you've got even a 14-year-old in your house. We as mom and dad, you know, you're the parent. Yeah. You do tell your kid what to do. But as our kids are getting older, we have to be a little more strategic about this because it's funny. I mean, you know, teenagers, they don't want some adult tell them how they should live their life. But it's funny how these young people are really open to real life stories about, and sure. we're talking about a subject they're interested in this device. They love this thing. They carry with them all the time. So when I start talking with young people about this and stuff saying, you shouldn't have your phone. It's bad. You know, whatever I actually, you know, I'll, I'll tell them intriguing stories. Like as a matter of fact, when I tell them the history of Snapchat in chapter 10 of this book, you know, this is one of their favorite apps. This is something they use all the time. When I tell them a little bit about how it was created and some of the stuff that was, some of the drama that was intertwined, they're fascinated by that. When I, when I tell them kind of the truth about the pictures really not disappearing and where they go and, and how many people were, have been taking those pictures and show, you know, they're like, whoa, wait a minute, you know. When I, in chapter 17, share about an experiment in Car and Driver magazine where researchers actually served people alcohol and tested their reaction times in a similar, in a simulator, comparing those reaction times to sober drivers who are texting and driving, you know, those are the kind of things, those are the stories that speak loudly to kids and gives them memorable information that shapes those choices they're making out on their own when mom and dad aren't standing over their shoulder. No, you're right. so that's what I'm trying to do is give them this compelling information so they can go, hey, wait a second, you know, and think about these choices as they are out there on their own. Yeah. As an outsider, I think, you you know, your approach complements uh you know, a parent's authority to tell their kids how things should be. Uh, I think you're it's brilliant the way you put that the book together that way. Um, anyone over the age of 35 pretty much uh, remembers what life was like when all your friends, family, and half the world weren't virtually in the same room with you all the time, at least potentially in the room with you. But today's kids almost never knew life without that constant access. Uh, so they really don't know what they don't know, and they don't miss what they don't miss. Unless we give, you know, these kids the, the gift of at least a season that's more conducive for real intimacy and connectedness, a month, a week, or even a day of being unplugged, they'll likely never experience what we experience growing up every day. Is there, is there any merit to orchestrating these kind of digital fasts of sorts, uh, regardless of what our kids might think about them? I mean, do we, uh, oh, no, absolutely. And that's the thing is, since young people are recognizing this, and since they're recognizing the, you know, the frustration of, um, you know, wanting to talk with their friends and their friends ignoring them because they're staring at their own funds <laughs> yeah. and stuff like that. You know, I talk about this. I mean, the, the opening chapter in the book, you know, love the one you're with. I talk about this whole, uh, you know, this, this social media myth and talking about how social media is making us less social. And most young people, because uh, I, I had about 100 young people try the book out before, it hit the printing press, and I was like, okay, criticism, I want to hear it, here, read this. And it was amazing, the responses, because I almost kind of expected some pushback 
on that chapter. And I didn't even get pushback mm-hmm. on that chapter. They yep. were all kind of like, oh yeah, that's dead on. That's, that's my dead experience. On. Yep. Yeah, they, re- they resonated that because they live it, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so telling them to, you know, you know, chapter 11, reevaluate your screen time. You know, chapter 12, frequent tech-free zones. You know, uh, talking about this kind of stuff of thinking before you post. And something yeah. like Snapchat, we see young people post something all the time, and they think, oh, it's going to disappear, and they realize it didn't. Yeah. Nothing you post on the Internet or in the social media world is ever temporary. Ask any Internet expert. Yeah. It can be grabbed. It can be snagged. And someday you're going to be in a job interview, mm-hmm. and they're going to say, so what was this right here that you uh, said? <laughs> Hope you're listening, <laughs> kids. Yep. I need to jump in here because we need to take a break. You're listening to Licensed to Parent, and we're talking today with Jonathan McKee uh, about a book that probably every one of us needs to read. Uh, It is called The Teen's Guide to Social Media and Mobile Devices. And as I said earlier, uh, we as parents need to be applying some of these rules to ourselves as well. We'll be back with more conversation, including a look at the privacy concerns that go with all this when we return. Stay with us. The world of digital technology is always changing, and it's changing you if you're comfortable with technology or not. Your kids may take technology almost completely for granted and rarely notice its effects. On the other hand, you may adapt to technology more slowly, but are affected by the digital invasion just as much as your kids. In the book, The Digital Invasion, How Technology is Shaping You and Your Relationships, authors Dr. Archibald Hart and Sylvia Hart-Fried uncover the ways digital technology is changing us from within, physically, mentally, and especially spiritually, and offers therapeutic and biblical strategies to become good stewards of our digital lives. The Digital Invasion also includes 10 pages featuring Trace Embry of Shepherds Hill Academy. Find The Digital Invasion in the store at LicensedToParent.org. Proceeds support the Shepherds Hill Academy Student Scholarship Fund. Teen rebellion, depression, addiction, rage, cutting, and suicide are destroying our families today. But there is a way out. Shepherd's Hill Academy offers a 12-month Christ-centered nonprofit residential program where kids are being transformed with a biblical worldview and often medication-free. Christian apologist Ravi Zacharias is just one of many Christian leaders who understands what's happening at Shepherd's Hill Academy. It really is such an honor to come alongside Shepherd's Hill Ministries and licensed parent to rescue those who have been seduced along the way. I cannot gainsay how important this is, and to get behind a ministry like this, one will find the rewards to be extremely powerful in changing society. Get the help you need at Shepherd's Hill Academy. Go to helpmytroubledteen.org, helpmytroubledteen.org. Welcome back. This is Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill Academy, and you'll find us online at licensedtoparent.org. And today, Trace and I are talking with Jonathan McKee, president of the Source for Youth Ministry and author of numerous books, including the one that we're discussing today, The Teen's Guide to Social Media and Mobile Devices. And Jonathan, right before the break, I at least raised the point about privacy. Privacy is always a huge concern, and especially 
in the realm of smartphones and social media, it seems that no matter what you do or post or say, your location is often tagged to that. Um, sometimes you're sharing it publicly when you thought you were sharing it privately. What are some of the things that parents need to be aware of and that we need to insist our kids do in terms of privacy settings when they do engage in social media? Yeah, these are the conversations I have with parents all the time at my parent workshops. These are the conversations I have with young people in school assemblies and in books like this as I talk with them is thinking twice about something they don't typically think about that boring thing called privacy settings. You know, those are the things that we click yes 17 times to when we first get our phone. We're like, uh huh, yes, agree, 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 agree. We don't really pay attention. But all of a sudden, you know, it becomes a reality when, for example, moms and dads, if, if our daughter, 16 years old, sitting at a Starbucks studying, it's dark, she posts a picture of her cup at, you know, Starbucks that she just decorated, and she's like, late night study session, you know, about to call it quits, post that thing. Now that brings up two issues. One, did she post her location? Two, has she actually met all these friends of hers, and who can see that post? that she just posted. So I just brought up a myriad of things there. One is talking with young people about their privacy settings. So that is that only their friends can actually see what they post. And a lot of them do that. If you look at their Instagram account, for example, do you actually have to request to be their friend? That's a good thing to do. Well, another thing too is to talk with our kids about have they actually met every single one of these friends face to face? Or do they actually just, oh, no, he's this cute boy from the school across, you know, across town there. And I know what the school is. And, yeah, he's really cool. I've seen his picture. Well, do you really know it's him? There's people out there. There are literally guys, big, fat, naked guys sitting in their mom's <laughs> basement. And they're about 45 years old. Oh, that's scary. <laughs> and, and I'm painting a picture here. Yeah. And sadly, it's true. And these guys sit there and troll through and just try and try and try to friend people. And sometimes they, and they take a picture from the internet of some young guy or some young girl, and they use that and try to make friends with different people. And I mean, and I hear this all the time. Sadly, I hear this from parents who go, hey, after a parent workshop, they come back and they're talking to me, let me tell you the story about here's what happened with my daughter, here's what happened with my son. And it usually ends up talking with them having to go to the police because of somebody that their friend met online. And then they discover something that a lot of people don't know, that many police stations actually have an entire department devoted to this yeah. because this stuff happens all the time. No, that's exactly the right. other thing is this location thing. Because when we post our locations, what a lot of us don't realize is our location is right there on the map. And, and let me, let me be, let's go back to Snapchat again. Snapchat came up with something just a few months ago, and it's called Snap Maps. And it's this really fun feature that young people love. And what it is is you can open up Snapchat at any time. You could pinch the screen, and you could see all your friends right on a map. You could see exactly where they are. Um, so you, if you're a Snapchat user, need to physically go into Snapchat and decide who can see me on Snap Maps. And you can either go in ghost mode where nobody sees you, or you can set it custom settings where, okay, I'm going to have only these friends see me, or all my friends see me. Now that goes back to the question of, who are your friends? Right. Have you met every one of them? Because if not, they can find out where you are. They can literally try it on Snap Maps. You can see their address. You can see they're in their house exactly where their address is. And this is one of those things that we got to think about. And that's why I share story after story, true mm -hmm. stories that happen with people I've talked with 
where somebody, you know, got their address, broke into their house. I mean, there's some scary stories out there. We need yeah. to think about this and we need to talk with our young people about this and equip them to start making good decisions with yeah. these devices. And everyone knows someone uh, who's experienced these scary stories. It's a lot for kids and parents to keep up with. But here's something else that concerns me. King David, a man for God's own heart. Wrong place, wrong time, exposed to something that he didn't normally see because he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Our kids today, uh, with the advent of smartphones, every day is a Bathsheba moment for our kids. And, oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, we need to, we need to be vigilant as parents, you know— uh, Everything we've talked about here, uh, parents, I hope you're listening. We, we really need to, to take a deeper look at, at how we're approaching these things. And we need to not be scared to talk with them. It's funny because when right. I bring up some of those passages, some parents just shy away and, oh, my kids aren't ready for that discussion yet. Mm, wrong. No, they are absolutely <laughs> ready. Yeah. You know, you know, bust open that passage right there, that David passage, because literally, you know, you know, he's you know, walking on a roof where he probably shouldn't be because he should have been out to war, mm -hmm. you know? And and then he looks and he sees, and there was almost like a little button that said, click here for more. Exactly. And he did. He clicked here for more, and he kept looking. And he's like, hmm, send her to me, which was the click here for more. And then, <laughs> huh, you know, oh, 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 she's married? Okay, I want to talk with her. You know, and then he sleeps with her. And most bad decisions started five decisions ago. And sure. for our kids, many of them it is, allowing them to have a phone in their room, oh, you know, boy, and, and they start because it's late night and that's when bad decisions are made and they're in their room and they pull up that smartphone and they start navigating to that certain site. And we as moms and dads, maybe we should take the advice of the journal pediatrics and say, Hey, guess what? We're going to have a charger in our bedroom at night yeah. so that you guys, you know, we're just going to say, this is some a, a service we provide as mom and dad for you. You know, we will charge your phone and have it healthy and running for the next morning. There you go. You know, so go ahead and give it to me at night, you know, and do it. We're here and to serve. I, I, you know, it's just a service we provide. And I tell moms and dads, I say, I said, put that charger right next to your bedside right there and then take a light bulb and smash it and sprinkle it all over the floor right next to it <laughs> so you can hear them in the middle of the night when they're trying to steal the phone exactly. off your bedside. Okay, that's what we need to do as moms and dads <laughs> to help them because we're handing them this device that is allowing them to do exactly yeah. what you know a man yeah. after God's own heart did, which was click here for more, and we've got to be careful of that. Well, Jonathan, yeah. we're, we are out of time for today, and we would love to have you back on. You've got a lot of great resources we could discuss and, uh, and bring to the table for future conversations. But the one we've been talking about today is the Teen's Guide to Social Media and Mobile Devices. You can find that book on Amazon. Jonathan, I know you've got many more parenting resources at thesourceforparents.com, and that's the source, the numeral for parents. Dot com. Uh, that's also uh, where you can find your blog. How do people sign up for your blog if they want to follow along? Hey, if you jump on the sourceforparents.com, there's a button there that they can subscribe and, and get all our free articles. Excellent. Okay, so again, that's uh, that's thesourceforparents.com. You'll also find Jonathan on uh, facebook.com forward slash in Jonathan's head. I don't make this stuff up. I just read it. Uh, Jonathan McKee, <laughs> thanks so much for being with us today thank on you, Licensed sir. to Parent. Hey, thanks for having me. Fun conversation. Excellent. Well, this, of course, is Licensed to Parent. You'll find us online at licensedtoparent.org. Remember, please, that the work that we're doing here on this radio broadcast 
is merely an extension of the work that's done every day inside the gates of Shepherd's Hill Academy. Shepherd's Hill is a year-long Christ-centered residential program for teens in crisis, and you can help that work. You can become one of our ministry partners through your tax-deductible gift that keeps this radio program on the air, but also provides scholarships to families who can't afford residential care but need it to help their teens in crisis. You can give securely online when you visit LicensedToParent.org and click the Donate button. Again, LicensedToParent.org. Our guest coordinator on Licensed to Parent is Daniel Fazina. Our technical producer is Carl Peets. For Trace Embry, I'm Rich Rosal, inviting you to tell a fellow parent about us and then join us again next time to renew your License to Parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. See you next time.